There we go. All right. Good morning. Well, as we enjoyed ourselves last night, as we, well, in my case, I was watching Motor Trend TV. Um, a lot happened in our world. A mass shooting in Alabama, a shooting in Louisville, Kentucky again, a shooting in Pennsylvania, all last night. And we say to ourselves, what's the problem? The mantra would be, you know, all we need is love. The Beatles have been saying that forever. It hasn't happened yet, has it? It's not going to happen. When you compound the shootings with 
the thousands of people who were sexually abused last night. The thousands of people who went to bed utterly lonely. The thousands of people who so desperately want to be loved. To know what it's like to be loved. To have unconditional love. The world is starving for love. And love really is the answer. But what love? What love is the answer? If it's the love of man, it's going to fail. It will produce, perhaps, temporary help. Perhaps. But not really. It is really just the love of God. We're coming back to the book of 1 John. We had a break for Palm Sunday and Easter. But as we come back, John returns to the subject of love. John had, when we left off last, John had warned us about testing the spirits, testing the motive behind the preacher, the teacher of the word, to see whether it was from God or demonic in nature. The criteria of knowing if it was from God and was teaching the true love of God was to declare that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. With that reminder and that in our mind of what we need is love, I'd ask you to stand with me as we would read from God's holy word. It's found in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Our title for today is, <clears throat> What is Love? What is love? 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Let's pray, Father. You are love. You're the standard of love. And we need your love. And we need to learn how to give your love to a world that needs love. So, Father, I pray that you would help me as I declare your words. I pray for those who hear that the Holy Spirit would make clear your words. I pray today, Lord God, that if any here do not know the love of God, they would know it today. Lord, if there are any who are your children and yet they struggle with fear, they struggle with confidence, they struggle with loneliness, they struggle with their past, they struggle with their hurts, that they would see afresh the great love of God and that for them the love of God would be the balm of Gilead. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that he sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. 
If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love of God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You may be seated. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and the hearing of his word, and the teaching of his word. So what is love? David Allen, in his commentary, writes this. Love is not like other subjects. It cannot be understood and then practiced. It can only be understood by practice. It's more like measles than math. Before John defines what love is, John tells us why we should love. Why should we love one another? Why should I be loving? In 1 John 4, 7, he says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now we need to be clear. We are to love because God is the source of true love. And this love is from God and it proves that someone has been born of God. Because there are loving people in the world, and there are. There are people who do not know Jesus. They actually hate Jesus, and they could be very loving people. It does not mean that they are from God. Love is not the standard that you're from God. The love of God is the standard that you're born of God. God's love. God is the one who gets to define terms. God gets to define what love is. We do not. We don't have the option. God alone is the definer of words. This love of God proves that we have been born of God. Jesus said it is our love for one another that will prove that we are his disciples. Loving one another is one of the very first truths that you were taught when you came to saving faith in Christ, is it not? God loves you, now you must love others. John told us right from the beginning in 1 John 3.11, he says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And so the source of love is defined. The source of love has now been found out. Love is from God. John will now tell us what love is. What is love? 1 John 4.8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. You want the definition of love? God. God is the definition of love. 
And it's not any God. It's the God of Scripture. Because there are no other gods. No other gods exist. They exist in people's minds. But they're not real. Reality is found in Jesus Christ. In who God is. God is love. God himself is love. At the very core of his holiness is love. God alone, as we said, gets to define what love is. God is the highest form of love that there can possibly be. All other forms of love pale in comparison to the love of God. None of us love altruistically. None of us love out of, without any gain. We always want something in return, to a degree, whether we feel it or not. God gives not to get. God gives because He is love. God gives because he is love. Love, John tells us here, is the third and the final piece of the triad of which God consists. You're probably saying Father, Son, and Spirit. What else could it be? Well, John tells us actually something different. Is God Father, Son, and Spirit? Absolutely. Don't take me for a heretic that I'm denying that truth. But in John, in his writing, John tells us first, God is, well, he says first, God is light. God is. It's the word is. God is. This is, you want to know what God is? God is light. Remember what it means that God is light. God is perfect. He is without any scintilla of error. In him, there is no darkness, John says. God is absolutely holy and perfect, and He is the standard of judgment for all human beings. We're also told that God is spirit. He writes that in His gospel. Remember, Jesus is sitting next to the woman at the well, and Jesus says God is spirit in John 4, 24. What's it mean that God is spirit? God is not visible to us. I can't can't look upon God with the human eye. God can only be accessed on a spiritual level. That is what Jesus meant when he said his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. I cannot see God. The Bible's very clear that if God were to allow me to see Him in His full holiness, and as far as I know, three living people have had that option. Isaiah, Jesus, oh, I just lost the third one. Anyways, huh? Moses, thank you. Gosh, we just got done teaching Exodus. Moses saw God in his full glory. Holy matter. Man, talk about a brain freeze. Um, Moses. And for whatever reason, God has kept them alive. He actually let Peter, James, and John see the glorified Christ. And they did not die. Scripture is clear. If we in our human selves could see God, it would just destroy us. The picture that I always get is Raiders of the Lost Ark where they open up the ark and and their their eyes roll back and they melt. Like that's what would happen to us. It'd probably be far worse than that. We cannot look at God. He is too pure with our human eyes to see God. He can only be seen spiritually. And God is love. Love is the chief of these. They are the essence of who God is. 
Love, light, and spirit. The question then becomes, if we cannot see God, then how can God be known? He can be known through our love for one another. That's how we see God. We see God through our love from one another. John tells us that he is love and therefore we must act in love. What motivates God's love for you and for me? I can tell you this, it is nothing that you or I have done. David Allen again states it very clearly. God's love for us is motivated by who he is, not by who we are. We get stuck on the who we are. We get stuck on the money. We get stuck on the beauty. We get stuck on the famous. We get stuck on all those things. God doesn't. God doesn't care if you're rich or poor. God loves you because of who he is. This is how God's love is made visible. This is how God is made visible to the world in the way that we love one another. God's love was made manifest because Jesus came into the world. Look what it says in 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his, son, his only Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this, in what? The love of God was made manifest in the fact that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. The word manifest is fanarau. It means to cause to become visible. No wonder Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But I can't see the Father. No, you can't, but you've seen the Father because you've seen me. But you can't see, but I have seen the Father. No, I haven't seen the Father, but I have seen the Father. That's a mystery that only is in the realm of God. God who is invisible and who in the past was only seen through theophanies, that is an appearing. The burning bush is a theophany of God. Is now made visible in the flesh in Jesus Christ, the love of God with us. It's no wonder that John just previously emphasized the fact that one must emphasize that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Because that is the love of God made visible. To deny that God loves, that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh, is to be anti-Christ. John says that God sent His only Son of the world that we might live through Him. A person cannot truly have life apart from Jesus. They have existence. They don't have life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The word live is zao. It means to have life. It's not just physical life. It's eternal life. It's the best quality and the best quantity of life. Remember what Jesus said to Martha standing at the tomb of her dead brother Lazarus. 
She said, Jesus, if you were here, I know that you could have raised him if you would have come. And what she's saying by that, if you would, if you would have, but now it's all hopeless. Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John tells us how the love of God is made manifest. What makes God's love distinct from any other kind of love? Verse 10. In this is love. Again, defining what love is. Not that we have loved God. He makes it clear. Not that we've done. Not that I move towards God and then he moved towards me. Not that we have loved God, but that he, God, loved us and sent his sons to be the propitiation for our sins. Well, there it is. The propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation is halasmos. It means means of forgiveness or expiation. It's actually two parts. Expiation, the removing, ex, out, of, right? Focuses on the means of forgiveness of sin, Jesus Christ on the cross. Propitiation focuses on the results of Jesus on the cross of God's view of satisfaction or favorable disposing. We sang this morning, the wrath of God satisfied. That's what it means that God loves us. That God removed our sin from us in Jesus Christ, and He pacified His wrath, His just wrath, in Jesus Christ. That's love. We did nothing to deserve it. We didn't go looking for it. We didn't want it, the scripture tells us, and yet God came and died and rose for us anyways. That's love. A giving of oneself 100%. Have any of us loved like that? Give 100%? For be honest, no. In <clears throat> David Allen says this also. In Jesus' death on the cross, God's holiness, listen to this, this is so important. God's holiness, justice, wrath, Mercy, love, and grace all converge. Everything about God, the fact that God is love, that God is light, and that God is spirit, everything about God converges at the cross. Remember last time when we were in 1 John, we said that everything, everything hinges on the fact that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Even the creation of the world. The whole purpose of creation was so that Jesus Christ would come in the flesh. That's why God made the world. 
Everything converges at the cross. Jesus coming into the world is how we know that God loves us. John has been very clear about this. 1 John 3.16 By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. The way that God loves us is the same way in which we are to love others. That's what he says in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You can't love. I can't love as you ought to until we understand how God has loved you. You cannot love as you ought to until you understand how God has loved you. The focus of verse 11 is on the word ought, ophilio. It means oh. It means under obligation. We are obligated because God loved us and gave Himself for us to become a propitiation for our sins, laid down His life for us, satisfied the wrath of God for us. We are therefore obligated to love in our action and in truth, which will in turn guide our talk. This kind of love is sacrificial. It looks not to exalt itself, but rather the object of its love. True love doesn't look to exalt itself. It looks to exalt the object of its love. That's why John writes in 1 John 3.18, Little children, let us love. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Love lives in truth. The greatest way we can love somebody is telling them God's truth. The greatest way that you can love anybody is to tell them God's truth. Whether it's in the form of correction, encouragement, or sharing the gospel. To love somebody is to tell them the truth. We don't want to tell them the truth in such a way as to say, I got you. You tell them the truth if they're in error. You tell them the truth of God's love to say, hey, you're out of whack with God. Something's going awry. It needs to be fixed. Whatever you did to me, whatever happened here, whatever this, that's secondary compared to your relationship with God. That's primary. David Paulison in his devotional book, Take heart, daily devotions to deepen your faith. Great devotion. David Paulison, he wrote the book Good and Angry that we did. He says, God's truth is spoken and embodied by loving people. God's truth is spoken and embodied by loving people. John goes again now and reminds us that God cannot be seen, but is seen in by those who respond to his love. 1 John 4, 12. No one has seen God. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. The word seen is theatmo. 
It's the same word, remember, on, on Easter Sunday where Peter looked in and he saw, he gazed at Theomai, like watching a play. It's from the word we get, we get our word theater. He was looking at it, he was observing. No one can sit and observe God physically, but he can in our love for one another. You can observe God's love by how we treat one another. If the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself, then the greatest sin is not to do it. It's David Allen, again. Spiritual maturity, I love this. Your spiritual maturity is not measured by your age. How long you've been a Christian, how long you've been a church member, how much Bible knowledge you have, or your level of service in the church, it is measured by your love. Well, that's true. How much do I really love? How much am I really giving of myself? How much affection do I have for the people of God? How much affection do I have for the world, for the lost neighbor, for the lost child, whatever it would be? How much love do I have? John tells us that the effects of God's love is manifest to his children in three areas. Knowing, abiding, and giving. Knowing, abiding, and giving. The effects of love. What he says, by this we know that we abide in him, verse 13, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. Three things are said there. By this we know. We know. John has been very clear about the believer having confidence of knowing God. You know God because you keep his commandments. You know God because you love the brothers. Again, he's saying the same thing. You know God because you love God one another, to know gnosis, to understand, to know, to have certain knowledge, to have security in your relationship with God. Are you certain about your relationship with God? Are you in the least bit concerned about what's going to happen when you die? You're going to meet Jesus. He's going to ask you, did you love me? And we may say, yes, I did. I went to church, and I did this, and I did that, and I was doing this. And Jesus just may say, look at it yourself in Matthew chapter 7. I have no idea who you are. Doing things doesn't mean we love God. It's from inside. Something that only the transformation, the transformation love of the transforming love of God can do to a person to truly love as God loved. In this is love, not that God loved us, but gave Himself for us. He laid down His life for us. Do we have that kind of sacrificial love? Do you know that you know God through the way you love one another? The second thing he says is we know that we can abide. Well, it only makes sense. Meno, to remain, to stay, to reside, to have a home. By this we know we abide in God, that we love the way God loves. We strive to love the way that God loves. And we know that that makes our home in Him and Him in us. 
The guarantee of all that is the fact that he says that he has given us his spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. If you're truly God's child, he's given you his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is a seal, Paul tells us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. John, just to make sure his audience gets it, states to them again that he's not making up a story. This is not a myth. He reminds them that I have seen, I have touched, I make known to you, I testify to you that Jesus Christ came into the world. Look what it says in verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Remember how John opened up his epistle. That which you've seen, that which we have heard, that which we have touched, this we declare to you. Here again, John emphasizes the fact that Jesus Christ has come, into the fle- come in the flesh. And to deny this is to be antichrist and to be devoid of the love of God. Look what he says in verses 15 and 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Second time he states that. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. He then tells us that God's perfecting love. God's perfecting love. Remember, perfection, it's it's an upward trajectory. It's a moving upward. It's not that I just become perfect in love. Well, I can't because then I'd be God. But I'm moving upward. I'm making progress. I love it. As Alistair Beck says, just a wee bit of progress. Are you making a wee bit of progress? Hold on to hope. God's perfecting love in His children produces two things. Confidence and fear. Freedom from fear. Confidence and freedom from fear. Look what it says in verse 17. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. The word confidence, parousia, boldness, courage. I know that God really loves me. And I really love God. Then I have the courage to love. I have the courage to encourage somebody. I have the courage to admonish somebody in love. I have the courage to stand and declare to somebody, whoever it may be, whoever God would bring into my path, and I should pray for these opportunities, I can have confidence and no fear to declare to them that they are under the judgment of God, the just judgment of God, and the only way to get yourself out from the just judgment of God, is to confess your sins and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised Him from the dead. Do you have confidence to do that? It's very easy to go on a missions trip because I can tell people who I will never see again 
the truth of the gospel. And I can do it with boldness. Walking across the street, I failed even there. Telling the checkout clerk, getting in a conversation, whatever it be, declaring the truth of the gospel. Oh, hold on. I'm busy. I got my life to do. I'm walking around here. Thanks be to God, somebody didn't do that to us. Somebody had the boldness and the courage to share with us the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can have confidence and courage, and not an arrogance. It's a confidence that comes from God. The second effect of God's love is the removal of fear. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has, been not, has not been perfected in love. The word fear, phobos, phobia, right? Makes sense. It means fear or terror. Specifically within the verse, it's the fear of God that is removed. The fear of God himself. It is a fearful thing, the scripture tells us, to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a dreadful thing. It's a fearful thing. But if I know the love of God, if it's been shed abroad in my heart through Jesus Christ, then I have no fear of God himself. I actually have a looking for, I look forward to, I desire, I say, Hosanna, come quickly, Lord. Because I have no fear of standing in front of pure holiness. But I also believe it's also the removal of the fear that can be in this world. The wrath of God is removed by God's love. And so now the child of God can stand in confident faith, confident faith in any situation they face. So I would ask you and I would ask myself, what are you afraid of today? Is your fear greater than the God who loved and gave himself for you? Absolutely not. Is the God who loved you and gave himself for you unable to provide for you? Absolutely not. Is the God who loved you and gave himself for you going to forsake you? Absolutely not. As Jesus told his disciples, remember he told them about being anxious. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble itself. Today has its own trouble. Don't borrow, don't borrow trouble from, yes, from tomorrow. However the phrase goes, right? Don't borrow uh, tomorrow's troubles today. However it goes, don't add to your fear. Don't worry. Look, God created the birds. He feeds them. He takes care of them. Aren't you worth more than many sparrows? Yeah, we are, because only we can be saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Animals can't. He says, how much does God love you? He says, so don't be afraid. And he says this, fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know what God wants to give you? A future and a hope. He wants to give you the kingdom of God. And one day, we're going to be in his kingdom if we were his children. If we have no fear of God, no fear of judgment, I have confidence to come to God because that fear has been removed. I look forward to the day in which I'm going to be in his kingdom. 
I don't care what I'm going to be doing in the kingdom. If I'm a ditch digger in the kingdom, praise God, I'm in the kingdom. Right? If I'm sitting next to Jesus, praise God, I'm in the kingdom. Right? Don't shoot low, though. Shoot high. Right? Shoot high. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. What are you afraid of today? Loved ones, I'll tell you that the love of God can remove fears. We have legitimate fears. I'm afraid of being alone the rest of my life. I'm afraid I won't have enough money. I'm af- you can name it. But I can tell you that God is more than able to meet that. It's just how we shift our mind. It's how we put our focus. Am I going to focus on what I don't have? What I do with John Oach don't have? Or am I going to focus on what I do have? In Christ, And when I begin to focus on what I do have in Christ, I begin to understand and see that there is a good measure, pressed down, shaken over, given to me. That I lack no good thing, as the scriptures tell us. So what is love? Love is God. John, as any good teacher, sums up. All that he said. He reminds us in verse 19, we love because God first loved us. He also tells us this warning, though. You say, I love God. Well, be careful. Verse 20 says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. John had already dealt with this subject. You can't love God and hate somebody else. He's, particularly, you can't hate a fellow brother or sister. You cannot have hate in your heart for a fellow brother or sister. It is impossible if you truly love God. He is a liar. Not Pastor Eric calling you a liar. God will be calling you a liar if you know you have hate in your heart. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has not seen, who he, uh, who he has seen, cannot love God who he has not seen. I can't, if I hate the person I can see, what makes me think I can, I can love someone I can't see? That's what he's saying. If you can't do it here, what makes you think you're going to do it up here? It's not going to happen. Because God is loved on a completely different level than we are as humans. He reminds us, and this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You may be saying to yourself today, oh, thanks, i got enough to deal with already. Now i got to love my brother? i got to add to my list of to-do for Jesus? Well, walk that back a little bit. How about evaluate, do you really just love Jesus? Do you enjoy Jesus? Do you spend time with Jesus? Do you put Jesus' words into you? Do you spend time talking to Jesus and about Jesus and singing to Jesus and singing Jesus' song? Begin there. And you know what? The rest of the stuff, I promise you, will work itself out in the power of the love of God. What is love? God is love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. An amazing, gracious overwhelming love of God for us. I pray, Lord God, that you help me to feel your love. 
I pray, Lord, you help me to act in your love. I pray that for my brothers and sisters here. I pray, Lord God, that you would let the confidence that is ours in Christ Jesus rule in our lives. I pray that fear would not have sway over us because of the love of God. And I pray, Lord God, that as we strive to love you, that those around us will see the transformation because of the love of God and that they themselves will come to know the love of God. We ask it for the glory of Christ. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close in the song. We love because God first loved us and it was his love that lifted us. So we'll be singing Love Lifted Me. Words will be on the screen. Number 508. If you want to open a hymnal, up to you. Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore Very deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despairing cry From the waters lifted me Now safe am I Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true Merits my soul's best songs Faithful, loving service to To Him belongs Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He your Savior wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. 
When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Amen. God bless you all.